We are live. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode six of Security Squawk. I'm here with my friend Reginald Andre. Hello, hello. Hey, hey, I'm Brian Horning, and we are here to bring you the podcast that makes you more cybersecurity aware. So, uh, podcast number six, we're getting there. We're building this library up. Um, we usually do a weekly recording if you're not familiar with what we're doing. Uh, and all we ask is if you can share out our podcast, if you enjoy anything that you hear today, if you're enlightened, educated, entertained, share out the podcast. Um, I'm sure you can do it from your, your Apple podcast, your Google podcast, or your Spotify, wherever you're listening this from, and drop a link to our podcast into your social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Obviously, we gear this, this podcast towards business owners and business folk, um, but it's really for anybody. We try to break it down in a way where anybody understands what the heck's going on out there because, you know, quite frankly, security and technology uh, scares a lot of people, uh, and we hope to at least boil things down. So even if you are scared by technology, you at least understand um, what's going on out there and things you can do to start protecting yourself. So Andre, we had a great week. Um, we are in a business mastermind group together mm -hmm. and we were the silly fools that volunteered to have our businesses put under a microscope. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about it. It was a great exercise for me. I, you know, talking to you in the green room that you enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Uh, and it's very important that um, businesses take some time, whether you do it annually or quarterly, um, and really take a step back and focus on what it is that you're doing, align them with the goals of, you know, the, the business owners and the executives that run the company. Have you ever done anything like that before? No, nothing, nothing specific with my industry. I've been in other masterminds, but never where you have people from across the United States in, in, in different levels of their business that are able to actually look at your numbers, understand it, and, you know, just poke around, ask questions of, you know, why are you doing things like this? And so it was, a, it was a great time and I'm ready for 2021. That's great. So did you're, you were in the Goldman Sachs program, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. So did they kind of talk about doing things like this in that program? I imagine that they would have. They yes, they did. And I mean, in the sense that Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program was a mastermind of itself, but you know, I had there was no other IT person in my group. You know, you had a social media person, um uh research person, different different companies. So although they looked at your numbers, they, you know, kind of understand your business, but like the actual inner works of the business and, and things like that, it was more of a general, um, you know, feedback. Yeah, we've always, we've done these things internally. Um, and obviously, since we're not a huge company, we don't have a lot of people involved in, in those discussions and in those meetings. So I think it's nice, especially for companies early on, to have that outside um, perspective, and, you know, looking at your numbers and looking at your books and looking at everything that you're doing in your business. Um, 
and if you can find a really good group to do that with and you're all aligned in, in the terms of how you're structuring the advice um everybody's advice was given around the goals that i set for my business and the goals that you set for your business they weren't oh i think you should run your business this way or that way it was more or less like hey you said you wanted this and something you're doing over here doesn't necessarily align with that so you might want to think about making an adjustment you know on at this or that and I know I walked away with a, a ton of things. I know you walked away with a ton of things. So um, just wanted to bring that up. So, you know, business owners know that it's important to take that time and really focus in on what it is that you're doing in your business, because um, coming in and just grinding away every day and just, you know, doing the same thing um, might cause you to miss a lot of opportunities and you might not be able to think outside of, you know, that world of getting the day-to-day the -day done and think about things like branding the company and, you know, public relations and just building a bigger brand for your, for your firm um, and doing those things the right way so you can get to where you want to be. So, so, ah, uh, that was uh, two intensive days. I'll tell you that. And, yeah. uh, I, and I'm, I'm glad we are on the other side of it. So, um, so we got some interesting things to talk about. We got uh, on tap, we're going to talk about solar winds. We're going to talk about ubiquity. And we're going to talk about how ransomware gangs are putting pressure on companies, executives to pay them, mm -hmm. uh, even when they think that they got out of it. So we'll jump into that. Um, I want to go into solar winds very quickly, spend about two, three minutes on it. Um, things are developing um, and uh, things are getting crazy. We're finding even more and more companies were infected. We're finding out as solar winds goes through their forensic investigation, they're discovering that there was more malware strains put into their uh, Orion platform than you know, the original one that they thought. Um, so I have no idea why I can't share my screen. Oh, there we go. So um, I'm going to bring these up. Sorry about that. And the interesting thing I want to talk about here is they released their attack timeline. And um, if you can see that on my screen, the attack timeline, as you can see, started back in September of 19. Uh, and quickly going through the attack timeline, we, uh, we, we see that there was, without going through the article in great detail, these guys were testing, putting, changing code, injecting code into places it shouldn't be and and doing it at, at, in drips and drabs. So they would inject a little bit of code or change a little bit of code, let the developers at SolarWinds compile the code and see if that triggered, and they would wait and see if that triggered anything. And they did this for two months all the way up, in, up until November, and then they injected um, the test code and they went even as far as 
making sure that their code did not run on developers' systems. So they wrote extra code into their malware code that basically checked to see if the software was being loaded onto a developer system. And if it thought it was being loaded onto a developer system, and basically all they need to do there is basically say, we know the SolarWinds internal domain is this. So if the computer is on this domain, then don't run this code. Mm-hmm. And, and that prevented SolarWinds from basically seeing it. Um, so, you know, huge red flag for the software development industry um, that this can happen, that these guys are this sophisticated in the fact that they know basically how to circumvent the normal, you know, in the normal course of business is, you know, when they're building this software, their expectation is, is that there's code in there that shouldn't be in there. It's going to trip something off. And they did a really good job of having a lot of foresight and making sure that they didn't tip anyone off to what was going on here. So um, that's kind of like the update from the timeline standpoint. But we're also hearing a ton of stuff, as this article points out, that there, there was more malware in it. They were on there longer than anyone ever expected. Um, you know, and they're still, as you can see here, the investigation is still ongoing. Um, what do you have to add to this, Andre, now that I've enlightened you with the latest and greatest from our friends over at SolarWinds? No, no, you've, you've actually said it very well. You explained exactly what's happening. And um, unfortunately, I have a feeling that chart is going to expand and a lot more stuff is going to be um, exposed. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're 100% right. I mean, um, you know, they, they're trying to figure out who's behind this. They really don't know, but all signs are pointing to Russia Basic, basically because there's certain earmarks within how they write code, with how they deploy things that you know that, you know, where this is, this is coming from. So there's a lot more to this. I encourage anybody who wants to know more, um, your probably best resources to find other YouTube channels. You know, I talk about it a lot on my channel. There's other channels out there as well that go into deeper detail, depending on how geeky you want to get with this stuff. Um, but it's it's really interesting uh, to learn like how basically they they got in and you know people need to start thinking about this as how they got into like a country like how did how did somebody storm our beaches and run right into our country and start mm-hmm. trying to take over things? This is what happened on this digital playground, and people need to start thinking in those terms and and if you read through what happened here and start kind of associating what happened here with, you know, if this was actually a physical attack, um, you know, it, it paints a different picture and it, and, it, and it shows you how serious things are. So uh, our friends over at a Ubiquity uh, had a little issue this week. Andre, tell us who Ubiquity is and what happened. Yeah, so Ubiquity is a um, network hardware provider. They're very, very popular because they're affordable. And um, just to be honest, it just works. It's a, it's a very great alternative. 
if you compare them to other brands such as like Ruckus or, or Cisco. Um, so if you ever look up in your ceiling and you see something that looks like this, Frisbee looking, alien looking, this is um, Ubiquity. And they essentially warn all of their clients that there was a uh, recent um, attack on their systems to a third party vendor where um, an attacker had probably had been able to gain access. Now they're saying specifically right now, they just think it's um, name, email address and phone number and they don't believe um, any passwords have been um, breached. However, they are advising that um, you, you go in and then go ahead and change your password. And Ubiquity is a very, very popular within um, managed service providers like, like ourselves. So more than likely this is you know, deployed in, in many, many organizations. Yeah, it's tough. Um, this is the importance of understanding that your supply chain can be breached. And vendors that you use can be breached. And if you are in the practice of using the same password across multiple vendors' accounts, you use the same password for Ubiquity as you do to log into your computer, you're setting yourself up to be hacked. Because once these hackers have this password and they have an email or a, a name associated with it, they turn right around and they try to start logging into other accounts out on the web, your Facebook, your social media accounts, your, your email account, your work accounts. And the databases that are on the dark web that are being built are, are getting robust. There's a lot of information in these databases that people can use to cross-reference whose email address is this, where do they work, um, you know, what, what's their position at, at whatever company they work at. And then they start going after these companies with these usernames and passwords. And if you think, well, I use my AOL account for, for all this stuff and I have a separate email for work, you're probably using the same password though. <laughs> it doesn't take a genius hacker to figure out Joe Smith, who works at this company, I have his AOL account. Well, let me figure out how they structure their email addresses. And I know the domain name of the company. And now I just got to figure out what the front part is. Is it Joe.Smith? Is it J Smith? You know, how long do you think it's going to take him to figure that out? All he's got to do is send emails. And when one doesn't bounce back, he knows he's got the right one. So... Moving right along. Oh, one, more thing on this, one more thing on that um, is that also whoever this third party vendor was, this third party uh, for this API that was happening, I'm curious to know why did they even need the customer's name, address, phone number? I mean, Ubiquity never calls us, right? right? So, and this is a perfect example where during our mastermind, there was a part where it acts for the client's information. Like we had to basically show our client list and, and that way. And that's one of those things where I would say, if, if the information is not needed, mask it, you know, don't give don't just give it out to anybody. Don't, have, don't, don't even have it in there. Yeah, exactly. Right. Software companies really need to take a look at the data they're storing it, how they're storing it, where they're storing it, SaaS companies as well. You need to take a look at segregating this so you're not, if, if something does get hit, if one thing does get compromised, they don't have the whole kit and caboodle. You know, they still have to work to figure out whose password this is to, to what device or to what, what computer. So 
on the same lines, you know, when your passwords do get stolen, when you do get hacked and you do go through a situation and you decide, ah, I'm not going to pay the ransom. We're just going to move on. Screw those guys. What's going on here? Talk to us about this one real well, quick. Yeah, so essentially what's happening with this article is saying that the, um, the its title is some ransomware gangs are going after top executives to pressure companies into paying. So they know that a lot of times the executives are getting emails or getting links to download um, certain files on their computers and things like that. And what they're doing is instead of just throwing that wide net and trying to just capture everyone's data and steal everybody's data, they're going after the top, top executives, hoping that they get the most sensitive files because they're, they're dealing with those sensitive files. And then from there, uh, emailing them, calling them, whatever they're having to do to say, we have your data and essentially just try to scare them into pain. Yeah, I mean, anybody who thinks that once your data is stolen that you're not paying these guys is sorely mistaken. You're paying them. And, and we're seeing we're seeing that transpire in a, in a lot of these attacks to the point where the insurance companies are basically saying, try to get a, basically the tactic now is for negotiators when they're negotiating ransomware is to basically get the ransomware people down to the deductible of the insurance policy, assuming somebody has insurance. Mm -hmm. If they know... The, the, when you get hit with ransomware these days, the first question these guys are asking when you reach out to them to get the encryption key is, do you have insurance? And are you working with anybody? Because then they know what they're dealing with. Because if you don't have insurance, the chances of them getting paid out are going to be less. You know, the, the amount they get is going to be less. But if you do have insurance, they know the insurance companies are under pressure to not pay. So they figured out a system where hey, you're going to have to pay a deductible anyway if you're going to file a claim. So just give me the money, give me the deductible payment, and then we'll move on and we'll give you your data back and we're not going to release it out to the dark web and you don't have to file a claim with your insurance company. They make it sound really great to the business owner that he's going to get out of this jam for whatever his cyber insurance deductible is. Yeah. But the problem is, what happens when, and this is just purely on the surface of stealing the data and giving it back to you and saying, I'm not going to release it. But what happens two months from now when the same guy decides, I want more money and I stole this data from this guy. And I know because I read his emails, he's having an affair on his wife or he goes to a psychiatrist for depression or he, he paid himself $200,000 last year and a bonus and his employees didn't get a bonus and didn't get raises. And they start to use the information within the data set to get more money out of you. And that's the world we were living in today. And that's what I wanted to bring to everyone's attention from this article, because this is what's going on. Months and months after your attack, when you think you're fine, these guys are coming back at you with the, now they've gone through your data and they've read the dirt. And now they have dirt on you, and now they're going to use it against you to get more money out of you. Should we leave it there? Yep. I'm dropping the mic. Have go. a good one, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Remember to share our podcast. Thank you for everyone who's been listening so far. We look to bring you more content like this. And uh, please share our, our podcast out there with all your friends and family. Have a great day, everyone. Take care.